The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The Jews disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. This he said in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. The Gospel of the Lord. So it's a very interesting association of readings again today as we look at the conversion of uh, Saul to Paul, um, and then we go into uh, the last kind of deep clarification that the Lord is making regarding his teaching on uh, the giving of his own self in the Eucharist, um, clarifying to the point of uh, beyond any parable or metaphor, right? So truly, truly, I say to you, and then he says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He also says, my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. This is not parable, this is not metaphor, uh, this is doctrinal teaching, right? This is the Lord teaching very clearly as to what he intends. It is a hard saying, as we'll see, many reject it, they're not able to accept it, uh, but the Lord doesn't cater to their inability to believe. He doesn't clarify his teaching further because they don't believe. It shows that they have understood it, they just don't accept it. And so the Lord will not further clarify what he says because they have understood it and they don't accept it. And so you have this great beautiful mystery of this giving of himself in the Eucharist. As we've said before, they grumble because they do not uh, understand and they also do not desire it. Now they've been brought to the point where they understand what he's actually saying clearly, but now they not only don't desire it, they leave him. They're scandalized by the Lord and what he says. In the first reading for today, we have uh, what speaks about the mystical body of Christ, all right? And so you have this text is used uh, when the church is speaking doctrinally about the mystical body of the Lord. Uh, this text is the expression that the church uses to clarify that point, because we can see that when the Lord comes to uh, Saul and says to him, why are you persecuting me? We have in that statement, we see Christ's union with the members of his church that when they are persecuted, he is persecuted. And so what happens here, we have this beautiful movement in the first reading of Saul, who is outside of the mystical body of Christ, persecuting that mystical body. But then at the end of the reading, he is brought within the mystical body and then teaches the good news. And so this is what the Lord desires. He wants us to be members of his mystical body. But the mystical body is always understood in the light of the actual corporal flesh of Christ, his body itself. 
And so at the center of the mystical body of Christ, that which unites us all is the sacrament of baptism, but also fundamentally the blessed sacrament, the Lord himself in the Eucharist. As the church teaches, the other sacraments all receive their power from Christ in the blessed sacrament. And the blessed sacrament is the sacrament to which all of the other sacraments are ordered because it is the sacrament of Christ himself present to us. And so it is that central unifying point, Christ himself, that which unifies the mystical body. And so it is this great gift that the Lord gives to himself. There's an old saying in the church that says, the flesh is the hinge of salvation, meaning the incarnation of Christ is the, is the hinge of our salvation. And that word that is used for flesh, it doesn't mean dead flesh. It means flesh that is animated by life and by a soul. So it is Christ himself when you use that word for flesh. And so what the Lord is saying here in the gospel today is unless you eat my flesh, which is me myself, me myself entirely, unless we consume Christ, we do not have that life within us. And so St. Thomas has a very interesting commentary on this scene. And he goes down to this last uh, sentence, or these two sentences, where he says that the Lord gives, if you will, a kind of philosophical, rational argument in terms of the flow of logic according to how we receive life from eating his flesh. He gives a major premise first, then a minor premise, and then a conclusion. And so he says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. That's the major premise. And so when we eat the flesh of Christ, when we are united to him in the moment of Holy Communion, he truly abides in us and we in him, and we have union with him. We are united with him. And this is the union that the Lord desires through Holy Communion. This is what happens, what we see exteriorly is what the Lord desires interiorly. And so that's why our interior state matters when we receive Holy Communion because the Lord desires a deep union with the person who receives him. And so unless we, again, don't intend that, as St. Thomas says, we have to intend that union when we receive Holy Communion, and we also have to make sure that there's no obstacles to that union within our soul. And so what we do is we go to confession. We confess our sins, we make sure that we're in a state of grace to the best of our knowledge, and we come and receive the Lord in Holy Communion. And in that way, we remove all obstacles, and it also shows our intention that we desire the union that he desires. And so that's the state that we come to Holy Communion in. So that's the major premise. The Lord desires first that we have this union. Then he shows that his union with the Father is the source of life. So he says, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. And so that the Son is generated, he is the one who comes forth from the Father. He has life from the Father, the principle of life. So also then he says, those whom eat him, who consume him, have life because of him. And so because of that union with Christ, just as he has life because of his union with the Father, we have life because of our union with Christ. In the, boat of, in the beautiful moments of Holy Communion, when the Lord is within us, the author of life himself, the word through whom everything was created, the word through whom we were created, when he is within us in those moments of Holy Communion, life is within us, life himself, not simply as something created, but the author of life. And so we have this life then in us when we receive the Lord in Holy Communion, when we eat his body and drink his blood, and that's the conclusion that St. Thomas makes. And then he makes a last statement on this line here. He says, 
This bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died, but he who eats this bread will live forever. So this bread has its origin not of earth, it's from heaven. And St. Thomas says, everything always points back to its source. Everything draws back to its source. And so this is the bread which comes down from heaven. It comes down to us from the divinity of God. It is God himself as he descends to us and meets us. And this is the bread which then brings us back to the source, draws us back to the Father, the one from whom the Son was sent. That being sent, as St. Thomas says, is the incarnation of Christ. And so he is sent from the Father, made incarnate, like us, and then as we share in his substance, as we share in his own body, blood, soul, and divinity, we receive this powerful outpouring of his life and of his grace and of his strength. And this bread which comes from heaven is then the food of the spiritual life, that which sustains us and propels us towards perfection and towards the final goal of our existence. And then in receiving this wonderful bread which comes down from heaven, our life is then oriented in the right direction, back to heaven, back to the Father, back to the one who has sent us such a gift. I was reading again yesterday some of the letters of Tolkien, uh, particularly to his son, and I marked again the love that he had for the Blessed Sacrament. And so he's writing to his son Michael in one of his letters, and he's describing all the difficulties and the sufferings of his life, Again, not complaining, but just trying to explain some of his own circumstances. And then he says to his son, he says, Out of the darkness of my life, so much frustrated, I place before you the one great thing to love on earth, the Blessed Sacrament. He says, There you will find romance, glory, honor, fidelity, and all the true ways of your love upon earth. Such a beautiful statement and such wisdom of a father giving to his son saying that all of us, in terms of our love, should have one focal point on the earth, which is Christ himself and the Eucharist. This is the great expression of God's love for us, and we return that expression of love whenever we come and adore the Lord in the Eucharist. Amen.